Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. America. I am not a number. I am a free man. Wiggins America. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Wiggins. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes. Welcome to Wiggins America. Trisha, fill us in on Trisha. Old, old Trisha's here. <laughs> I got the first. Hey, oh. Hey, oh. Young Trisha's here. Old Roy is here. Middle Ryan's here. Um, fill us in really quick, really, really quick on Mike Madigan. Former Speaker of the House of Illinois is going to prison. Michael Madigan indicted on racketeering charges. Former Illinois House Speaker is being indicted for his alleged role in a racketeering conspiracy. He has been charged with 22 counts connected to lobbying practices during his time in politics. Prosecutors claim Madigan was the leader of a group that engaged in criminal conduct for his benefit. He resigned from politics a year ago. That's pretty much all I got. Okay. It's, I mean, <laughs> it's pretty amazing. It's, yeah. it's just, I mean, the guy's been win. the speaker of the house. This is the, this is the argument for term limits. And I can actually see both sides on the term limit argument. I know a lot of people are really passionate about term limits for Congress. There are arguments to be made against them that I think are valid. <clears throat> this one right here is the stake in the coffin. Term limits work because then you can't build political dynasties like this and use power for three decades to line your pockets, which is exactly what that guy was doing. And everybody in Illinois knew it, and nobody ever did anything about it because they didn't want to challenge his power, and they wanted power themselves. And then his daughter was the attorney general, and nobody's going to do anything about it. <laughs> How do you anyway. really feel about it? Yeah, uh, thank you. Oh, it's been going on for so long. It's like, well, it's good that they're finally bringing attention to it, but... It doesn't change anything because yeah. he's out of the office. Right. Well, exactly. Yeah, the, the state's gone down this terrible path of gross, like, financial and otherwise corruption for decades. And it's like, well, now he's getting his justice, but what about the freaking state? Yeah. What happens to the people of the state of Illinois? Well, I'm reading here to the tune of like $2.8 million in ill-gotten gains, like, in addition to the criminal charges, they're looking like for some money out of this to, like, kind of set the record straight. Is there any, like, money going back to the taxpayers he's ripped off? For oh, his, I, I seriously know, like, doubt it. Who gets... Who, That's my point. Who, who are they making good to here? Exactly. Like, All the structures... You already stole from us. It's yeah. too late. 
The, I mean, they've passed laws that benefit companies that they were fr- friends with. Those laws aren't going to go away. They're not going to declare them mm-hmm. null and void now. The state's just screwed until we vote different people in, which I guess we can do. But will we is the big question. Big question. Gosh, I hope so. Today in time travel? I'm ready. Today in time travel. Oldroy is going to take us back to what year? 2012. Wow, all the way back to 2012. That's like the turn of the century. <laughs> it's not even it's not even close to the turn of the most recent century. That is correct. But what was going on this weekend in March in 2012? March 5th, 2012, uh Putin was elected for his third term as president. Now was this Bef- was this right after he had the short absence? Because remember, he I was- yeah. So so here's what happened. He was he was a prime minister in 1999. In 2000, Yeltsin resigned. He became acting president. Uh, finished off. Well, I guess they formally voted him in a couple of months later. Finished off that term. Was reelected. Uh, at the time, there was a two-term limit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, so he stepped down, became prime minister again, and then in 2012, he ran for a third term. Wait, what's the difference between prime minister and president well, in Russia? There, well, it's two different roles. They, I mean, he he had so many different titles over the years, but but prime minister. Um, I don't know if it's more like a secretary of state type role oh, there, okay. but um, once he he served as prime minister again, then he became he ran in 2012. Uh, there was a big uproar about fraud and and uh, well, isn't that the pattern for all uh, dictators? Is that they first go into office as elected officials, which you never really know if even that's true, <clears throat> and then. They just stay in power and they keep win, quote unquote winning elections forever, and they it's just like a puppet democracy. It's not real, right? Yeah, and which then, is what we're in not right now. And then he won again in 2018. Yeah, and then he he changed the rules so that he can run two more times, right? So, which is what she did in China. Same yeah. thing. The guy quote unquote won an election and then won another one and then decided, you know what, we should probably get rid of term limits. Speaking of term limits, bringing yeah. it right back around to the beginning of this segment. Hey, see hey. what you did there. Well, Look it, at us go. It also brings us back to the earlier comments on on bullies, and he was he was a big part as prime minister. He was a big part of invading Georgia. Mm-hmm. He was a big part of the earlier invasion of Ukraine. They did it once before. They took Crimea in 2014. So that was under Obama and. Why was wasn't there outrage? He did the exact same thing in 2014. Mm-hmm. Invaded Ukraine, took over Crimea, and it wasn't the end of the world. It wasn't World War III. It was a bad thing, mm-hmm. but it's it's no different than what's happening now. It's very true. And although that's a part of the country, this is the whole country. A little bit different. There would be no Ukraine now if if they took it over. Right. What's another one? Uh well that's it I mean it was it was for that's me that the main was one. that was the main one because it's so relevant to what's going on now 
Uh, I did find an interesting quote, though, when I was looking at this, and it, it tell me why you, what you think is interesting about this. When they were complaining about um, the 2012 election and the fraud in and Russia? everything in Russia, it said, experts do not consider Russia a democracy, citing the jailing and rep- repression of political opponents, the intimidation and suppression of the free press, and the lack of free and fair elections. Wow. That ring a bell to uh, anything? Man, that's, that is frightening that we're dealing with that now. It, you know what's frightening to me? Because there are, there are people in control of power right now of information at places like YouTube and Facebook that you're, we're all familiar with. They will stop. We're not broadcasting on those right now on purpose because they won't let us. Because mm-hmm. if we talk about election fraud at all, they won't do it. Have you guys seen the story out of Wisconsin? Are you yes. following this, both I, of you? I saw it, yeah. Trish is not. Um, no, fill me in. Okay, so there's an investigator that's been appointed in Wisconsin for um, just seeing if there was any fraud or malfeasance in the 2020 election. He's a former judge, very well-respected. Well, he was well-respected until now. Now he's being slandered and maligned, of course. But I'll just read the beginning of this. And this is from Yahoo, okay? So this isn't like a deep, deep news source that nobody knows. Um, The Republican hired investigator of Wisconsin's 2020 election testified Tuesday that the state legislature should take a very hard look at the option of decertification of the 2020 presidential election, a move that GOP leaders reiterated they won't make and that nonpartisan attorneys call illegal. Every story that I've seen on this subject is talking about the legality of decertifying an election. They're not talking about the actual evidence that this guy found and that 12 different counties in Wisconsin are calling for decertifying the election now. This is a pretty big deal, and we work in news, and Tricia hasn't heard it at all. Right. I mean, that's... This it should stuff. be a huge deal. This is what I was talking about whenever we've been... Whenever... Going back to the Arizona audit... Doesn't matter what they find when they go through these audits or when they start investigating. Nobody's going to cover it. And by the time they fix it, we're going to be moved on to the next election. Right. Like, is there any will there be any actual repercussions other than this judge probably losing some credibility in his community? I I thought you were going to talk about Zuckerberg. Well, this is linked to that. Yeah. Did you did you hear about that? No. So they. Sorry for my rant. (laughs) They recommended. uh I guess where's it indictments or further investigation? They said that Zuckerberg's money, the Zuck bucks or whatever that he gave, was just flat out illegal. That he the the way he was giving money to only specific areas and the way they were using that money was unquestionably illegal. And I think that's part of the ammunition for calling for the decertification <laughs> is that there's there's just blatant election fraud and a misuse of funds. Yeah, and they they identify the name stuck with me, but I couldn't remember his exact role. David Plouf, remember that name? Mm-hmm. He was an Obama advisor, high up guy, uh, right hand man for Obama. Um, he was involved in the Zuckerbuck stuff, and apparently they made an app for only certain people's phones to be able to go around to those drop boxes and hit drop boxes that had a lot of voters that hadn't voted there yet. I mean, that's that's pure illegal. 
like very clearly illegal and they can tr- they have the app you know like it's not as if they're trying to find this stuff the app exists and it still is out there and you know so people have deleted a lot of this stuff but you can still find it but that's why it's taking so darn long and to your point is anything going to happen no not to the 2020 elections not but what happens if trump wins again and then he's got the doj then what happens? That's the big question. Because then you start to talk about if there's real evidence here of, I mean, this really is the kind of stuff that would be treason. I don't really know what a better definition other than if you were to go to China right now and be like, hey, you want some state secrets? That would also be treason. But undermining and and really um, m- making an election completely invalid i don't know what else you would call treason than that and in inst- basically instituting a president illegally that's got to be considered treason and will we ever see the end of that's i i i almost get to the point where i don't want to bring these things up because they get so darn frustrating like this week another thing this week that happened that i just remembered is that in arizona they're saying there are 200,000 roughly signatures that don't match and they'll show you a picture of them and you're like i can see with my naked eye that those signatures don't match and if you're saying you got two hundred thousand of those but again nothing's going to happen between now and 2024 unless by chance republicans decide in the house that they're going to investigate this after they take the house back in 2022 i don't see that happening i don't know i i think it's 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 I, I I agree with you. I think it's it's unfortunate. It's sad to talk about because there's never accountability. Um, but the problem, one of the problems, is half the country thinks it's justified. They'll they'll admit, okay, even if it was illegal, it was worth it to get rid of Trump. And so that's that's a one of the the downfalls of of what has happened in our society and the dividing of everybody mm-hmm. is that you've got a certain number of the of the population who are even if we get them to admit that this was illegal or this was a stolen election they're going to be like well but the ends justified the means it was worth it because trump was so awful well it's these kind of issues that make nobody trust any of the reporting i mean we were talking earlier in the show about ukraine and we didn't even really get to this topic, but do you trust what's coming out of there? Because a lot of people I'm seeing, you know, people that I follow on Twitter and uh, thought leaders, they're they're saying outright, I do not trust that anything isn't propaganda anymore. So with that in mind, I have made a connection to a guy named Eric Kambarian. He is, he's the head of the Clean Futures Fund, or he, he's very high up in the organization. This is an organization that works directly with Chernobyl nuclear power to clean up the site. And they they have a lot of connections with Ukraine, friends with basically the entire city of Kiev because everybody knows about Chernobyl. And um, it's a big deal. And so he is friends with all kinds of people in Ukraine. We're going to talk to him next and find out literally what's going on on the ground in Ukraine. Skip through all the BS and just find out straight from the source what's happening in northern Ukraine as of right now or as of yesterday anyway. That's coming up next on Wiggins America. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app.
the biggest sports radio stations in the country, providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams, all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives, streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. On the phone with us today, Eric Kambarian, he is with the Clean Futures Fund. Instead of explaining what your tie is to Ukraine, I want to let you do that, Eric. Sure. Thanks for having me. First, I have to disclose um, this is in relation to my position with Clean Futures Fund, not my employment with the state of Illinois. Just getting that out of the way. Okay. So, I first went to first went to Ukraine in 2013. Um, I was a firefighter up until 2019, and uh, I was on one of the seven hazardous materials teams that, that served the, the St. Louis area, and I became the, the radiation specialist on, on my team. So I ended up at Chernobyl for a training opportunity, and I thought I would go once, and it would be a, a tremendous experience. But now I've been probably 10 times, and I, I don't go anymore for the actual site I go back for the people now uh, because they're tremendous. It's it's just a tremendous place. The people are tremendous, uh, peaceful, very, very beautiful place, place to go and visit. And now I have friends there. So in 2016, on one of our subsequent trips, we learned of a, a lady at the power plant that had retired named Tatiana, and she had thyroid cancer. And she needed $1,000 to have a life-saving surgery. That's all it took in Ukraine for her to have this surgery, to, to, to remove her thyroid. So we took up a collection. The plant took up a collection. And the power plant got $300. They literally passed a hat around and got $300 U.S. together. And our delegation that was training there at the time, we made up the other 700 We presented to Tatiana. She got the surgery, and she's alive today. And we said, this shouldn't be a one-time thing. So in 2016, we established Clean Futures Fund, uh, an international nonprofit or IRS 501c3 nonprofit. And we've been there ever since, helping the, the people and community affected by the Chernobyl disaster. So, Eric, before we get into the current events, explain a little bit about the difference between somebody who lives in Ukraine and who lives in Russia. Because I think a lot of us, you know, we're Westerners. Most of us never been to Ukraine like you have or have relationships with people there. We don't really know what the difference is. You know, is is Ukraine a lot freer than Russia or what is the cultural difference? Sure. So I've been to Russia I've been to Ukraine, I've been to Armenia, I've been to other former Soviet republics. Ukraine is, it's simply amazing. It is vastly different from Russia. Ukraine has their own culture, their own history, even their own language. Uh, Ukrainian is is a distinct language, uh, very similar to Russian, but distinct. Uh, The people are very proud. They've had their independence since 91 from the Soviet Union, and they take pride in that. Um, I have a, a scarf that I bought in the main square that you'll see on TV, the Maidan, and it says uh, Slava Ukraini, glory to Ukraine, that people have been saying um, everywhere now. And it means that much to the people of Ukraine. And it, the, the culture is just so amazing. The city of Kiev, 
um, on the weekends. They shut down the main street. It's maybe eight lanes wide. And families, children, they go out. They have fun. They have basketball courts set up. They have uh, games set up. And it's, it's one of the most peaceful and uh, happy times that I've ever experienced in my life. And to know that that has all now been destroyed is incredibly troubling by, by the Russian Federation, which is distinctly different, distinct control over media. And as you can see, they, they arrested a babushka that survived World War II simply standing, ha- handing, hanging uh, uh, signs up about no war. And then it took five policemen in Russia to arrest her. Um, simply incomprehensible if, if that was in Ukraine. That wouldn't be a thing. But Russia is distinctly different from Ukraine. Now, Eric, how how closely have you been in discussion with or, or in communication with people you know in Ukraine over the last couple of weeks? Daily, daily discussions um, with with several people that that live in Ukraine. Um, I have uh, one of our, our volunteers. We have a Dogs of Chernobyl program. We take care of the stray dog population that lives around Chernobyl that was originally abandoned in 86. Mm-hmm. They're still there. We take care of them. Ludmilla, um, we talk to her every day. She she is in Kiev, and she's near the train station, but she says she won't leave. We've We've tried to ask her to leave, but she simply won't. She has a couple animals, um, and, and she's just in the position where she says, I'm not going to leave my, my town, my country. Um, in communication with several other people, and including workers from the Chernobyl nuclear power plant, the staff there has been stranded now. This is day nine that the staff has not been able to rotate home. So they've been gone from their families for nine days straight now. Um, people saying, I hope I see you again. Mm-hmm. Um, just just heartbreaking, and I'm at the point where I really don't have any words. I, I, I don't have anything good to tell them, and it's, uh, it's truly, truly troubling. Eric Kambarian is with the Clean Futures Fund. He works directly with Chernobyl and had lots of relationships there on the ground in Ukraine. And that's actually one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on Wiggins America this weekend is because we hear so much about people not trusting what they're seeing. Um, and you know, there's propaganda from Russia. There could be propaganda from Ukraine. There could be from the EU. What what exactly have you seen that what what we're all experiencing through the media is that an accurate representation of what's actually happening in this war? I think the photos don't lie. Um, they're, they're of course in war. Truth is is hard to discover, but the photos and the videos don't lie. Um, today, I received. An unfortunate notice. I'm in communication with. Uh, I'm a for, as a former firefighter, in communication with with firefighters um, that are in Slavutic, the worker town for Chernobyl. Today, I received notice that one of the firefighters went to Chernihiv, which has uh, been under massive attack since this invasion started. Chernihiv is about 45 minutes east of Slavutic. It's the size of the city of St. Louis, and. Um, the firefighter went to fight a fire at the oil depot, and he was killed. Um, so he's no longer with us. He leaves behind a, a wife and children. Um, so when you start connecting the realities, um, it's it truly it truly breaks your heart. The the Russian forces um, have hit civilian targets time and time again, and um, 
you cannot say that their targeting is that bad. Um, you have to you have to presume that this is intentional and intentional means to try to break the Ukrainian people and to break the will of the people. But I, I believe that sincerely will not happen. Eric, uh, before we run out of time here, nobody's a prognosticator. Nobody knows exactly what's going to happen. But knowing the Ukrainian people like you do, what are the possible outcomes here? What can happen that either ends this war or is it, you know, what, what, what does the next six months look like? I really wish I could tell you. Um, I, I do think one of the, the ways that this war can be, that the course of this war can be adjusted is the will of the Russian people. I know a lot of Russians that do not want this. You've seen the protests in the streets. And I think the one thing that may be able to change Putin's direction and trajectory is if enough of the own Russian people say, I will not fight for this anymore. They can't arrest everyone in Russia. Uh, so I hope and, and, and pray that the Russian people say, we cannot tolerate this anymore. We cannot tolerate this leader. This is not who we are. Uh, the Russian people and the Ukrainian people uh, are brotherly people, the Slavic people. Um, they come from the same same background. And I don't think the Russian people um, should tolerate this an, an additional minute. Uh, so I hope they they compel their leader to, to stop this madness. And I hope that's what eventually leads to peace and Russian forces completely withdrawing from Ukraine, the eastern part of Ukraine, and Crimea to restore the original sovereignty and territorial integrity of, of Ukraine. Eric, you know, I said that was my last question, but I, I lied. I have one more for you. What, as I was talking to one of my cast members here earlier in the show, he's, he's saying, you know, this is not unprecedented. We've seen invasions before of Russia invading Georgia and, and even Crimea and, and places like that. Why is this different? Because it does feel like there's so much more attention on this than there has been, at least in the West. Why is this different than those instances, in your opinion? It, it, it is just my opinion. But I believe uh, previous incursions by Russia, while completely abhorrent and should have received attention, and maybe had they received the attention that this is receiving, maybe we wouldn't be here where we're at today. But I believe Ukraine is a country of 44 million people. It's the size of Texas, and it is inextricably part. It's linked. It is part of Europe. It's not next to Europe. It is part of Europe. So when you talk about a European country the size of Texas um, being completely invaded by the largest country in the world with one of the premier military forces in the world, it has to, it has to evoke a response. And I hope... I hope the world sees what's happening. The recent attack on Zaporozhia nuclear power plant, the largest nuclear power plant in Europe, and see what is happening and what could happen. And I think we need to do more. Eric Kambarian, thank you so much for your time this morning with the Clean Futures Fund. It works directly with Chernobyl. I appreciate your perspective very much. Thank you. America, Trisha in the studio. We're going to talk about uh, just a couple of movie recommendations that we have and show recommendations. The first one I said last week on a different show, and uh, Trisha heard me say it on that show, and then she followed up and watched it. Are you that. acting like we're not allowed to say the name of the show? 
Well, I figured I'd hold back for a second to have some sort of reveal of the movie. Because we're not talking about the show. We're talking about the movie. Right. But how does this, like, holding back on the name of that? Well, now, now well, people are going. I'm just confused if I'm missing something. No, no, you're not missing anything. Now people are going, ooh, what's, what's the name of the movie? You know, we've built this incredible anticipation and now. And it could have been any number of shows you mentioned it on. It could have been a variety of things. And so people on are. On your media tour, you could have. So you don't want people to go real quick and Google. No, what no. What shows you've done recently and what. Right. We want to string this out as long as we can. Okay, because if fair they, point. Well made. Right. If they just tuned in now. And they're going, oh, man, what movie is this? And we can just keep talking about the movie without saying the name of the movie mm-hmm. for another two, three minutes. We could register in the books and get a really good rating out of it. As you know, that's all so I care about. So we don't want to promote the other show you set it on, though, because we don't want to drive any oh, audiences. Oh, you're talking about that? Okay. Uh-huh. I, yes, we're talking about the Annie Fry show, of course. <laughs> That I didn't get what you were saying. Okay. That makes that last this whole like 30 to 45 <laughs> seconds we just did even better because I thought we were doing a bit. No. And you I legitimately and I were on didn't know what you were talking pages. about. Yes. Yeah, I'm fine holding off on the movie title. Okay. But there was like a veiled like I was on another show talking oh, about yeah, it. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, was... it made me sound big. Right. So, well, movie's, yeah. called, movie's called Deep House. Huge big star. <laughs> <laughs> At the bottom of this part of the lake, there's a perfectly preserved house. Let's go. So, if you want to check that out, the dial has changed. You might want to go Bye-bye. check out Deep House. It's on Hulu. Anything Thank else to say about that? Thank you for listening to America. Thank you for listening. Nice. Get the podcast 971talk.com. Or on the Odyssey app. Or on the Odyssey app. Thank you, Trisha. Rewind to this moment when you forget the name. Of that movie. Did you like the movie? It was all right. I liked it more than you did. I think you did. The premise of the movie is two social media influencers, which really that part doesn't matter that much. It's like they had to set up some sort of plot. Really, two people end up scuba diving. That part, though, just before we move away from that, it is interesting to me. It made me think about a world where social media influencing is a career. Or an aspiration because that is a very much a reality. And oh, yeah. It, it's like those circles that kind of intersect where we're in a different one in the media. Yes. Than in the social media influencer thing. Mm-hmm. But having to look like that being a legitimate career that people focus on, put money and resources and time into. I thought, wow, that's interesting to live a life like that. Yeah. Isn't it weird how many people in the world consider that as a career option for themselves? Mm-hmm. Like, that, yeah, I'm going to make that work. Well, so for a long time, when it first started, I thought, and I think it probably still is, like, when I was little, I wanted to be like Britney Spears. I was going to be a pop star. Sure. You know, yeah. those, like, goals weren't super attainable. Like, only some people did. Now that line's kind of, of stardom is getting kind of blurred, and everybody gets a shot at, like, making their content the most interesting. Yeah. But adults that are funding projects, to, like, creating content and making that, a living off of that is just... Interesting. Yeah, you're right. It it is more attainable than it used to be. Mm-hmm. So it's not as stupid to say, oh, you know, just they're, they're just being a kid. Yeah, like they actually have a better chance of making a career in, I guess we'll call it content because yeah, not all entertainment. You know, yeah, yeah, being a creator of content than it used to be, but it's still just knowing people, even people who I know who are in the entertainment industry. You know, they've they've already accomplished something. 
turning around and trying to become an influencer or a content creator on YouTube or something, even they, starting from a better platform than you or I would, or the average person would, they're not making any money. No. it's Well, it's tough to find that thing, that yeah. sticky thing, that sticky angle that right. there is still that lightning flash of luck that goes into it. And unless you're one of the biggest stars in the world and you decide, I'm going to start a YouTube channel now, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. But back to the plot of the movie, that's who what these people are. What was the name are. of the movie? It was Deep House. I think it was The Deep the House. The Deep House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The Deep House. It's on Hulu. It was a Bloomhouse production. I thought it was going to be a thriller. I love watching thrillers. But this was pretty much a straight horror movie, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. mean, it was a suspenseful horror movie. It was a horror movie. But it's about two influencers who, the first 20 minutes of the movie don't really matter that much. They're setting up, my assumption is they shot the entire rest of the movie and then edited it, saw how long it was and how long they needed to shoot the beginning to make it a feature. So they did 20 minutes at the beginning to try to make it 90 minutes long or whatever. The, the most of the movie, though, takes place underwater. These two people scuba diving with cameras to show their social media audience not live but they're going to go back and edit it and they find a house pretty much untouched underwater like it's like an old kind of mansion east old crappy house you know that you'd find in a horror movie Mm -hmm. but it's all underwater Mm -hmm. so it's a it's a gimmick but i thought it worked i thought so too i was I was afraid they were going to do that first person shooter view when they went underwater, but they did. It was interesting how they shot it Mm -hmm. because you actually got to see it and they voiced it over. So the the audio was clear. Yeah. Um, Which you wouldn't know watching it that you're mm -hmm. like watching a voiceover. But but it didn't it wasn't distracting because of the setting and you don't see many settings like that. It was very unique. Yeah, I I just thought. It was it was such a weird take on a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Even the pitch, you know, going to Bloomhouse or whoever's <laughs> going to make the movie and go, you know, house. let's do a haunted house movie. But get this, the whole thing's going to be in a lake underwater. <laughs> like, like, it's a, it's like, a weird. Get out of here! I I really did click on it just because I'm like, how do you pull that off? And I really thought they did well. Now it's full of cliches. It's not it's not going to have anything that you've never had it before. It would be a very mediocre haunted house movie if it wasn't underwater. Exactly. But it would be a haunted house movie and they I mean they did pull off a haunted house movie underwater. They even did some weird jump mm-hmm. scares and stuff for being under cuz everything's slow. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's happening <laughs> underwater real slow. All right. I'm liking it a little bit more cuz I'm a fan of traditional haunted house uh-huh. horror that is the ghosts, the things in a haunted house, that is probably the scariest to me mm-hmm. if I'm going to watch a horror film. The fact that they could make pull that off underwater, like props. Do you want to introduce the second one that both of us are recommending? Well, are you recommending it, first of all? Here's I what am. I said about it. Murderville. That's the name of the show. You gave that away too quick. Oh, hold on. Let me go back. You, yeah, don't. Don't. You didn't hear Don't that. listen to it on the Annie Fry show. Bleep that. <laughs> Bleep the name of the movie Wait, and the show. Bleep this section. <clears throat> We're going to come back to it. No. Uh, yeah, I think I am. What do we got here? Stab wounds in our upper back. Tough time imagining with just the outline. Can get in the position and slowly be dying, too. Uh, you got to keep track of the evidence. You have a notepad. Yeah. How, how many episodes in are you? All of them. Oh, it's she only just binged it. Episode. Yeah, it's only six episodes. Yeah, they all dropped. 30 that, minutes, they're, they're quick. They're about, quick. they're about a half an hour. They're, uh, that's an interesting show. It's Will Arnett from Arrested Development and all kinds of stuff. You know Will Arnett. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays a fictional detective named 
Terry Seattle, mm-hmm. Detective Terry Seattle. That's right. And it's obviously ridiculous. It's the same premise every single show, but you have a different guest that comes in and is the quote unquote detective trainee. Mm-hmm. And so there's celebrity guests and they have to solve this fictional murder. And they're the only ones that don't know the script. So here's what I love about this show. It is the first first show I've ever seen that incorporated two of my favorite things, improv, which I know is controversial for some as far as a form of entertainment, but I love improv mm-hmm. and I love like play along, like games. So So you love this series. This was perfect for me because it they nailed the element of the audience playing along because just like the like Conan O'Brien's first guest Conan doesn't know who did it but they tell you at the beginning like here's the premise here's some clues then they go and they do their improv skits that like point you in the direction or misdirection Mm -hmm. with these clues and the end you get to guess so I found myself like getting some right getting some wrong yeah it's half game show that you're playing along because you don't know the result but there is a way to win it too Mm mm-hmm yeah, if you pay close enough attention to the mm-hmm. actual clues that they're giving mm-hmm. you, it's so ridiculous that you really don't know how to discern what's an important clue and what's just stupid. True. So that makes it hard for you to play along, which is kind of part of the fun. But I, yeah, I really like this series too. It took me, I, if you're listening to this right now and you haven't watched it yet, you're actually going to be ahead of me anyway going into the series because it took me about an episode and a half before I figured out, oh, this is what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They have a script and the person, the celebrity Same. guest doesn't understand or doesn't know what the script is and neither do i and we're on the same page and they it's just very a very interactive show which i thought was a novel concept they didn't do a good job of explaining to the viewer going in what you were going to experience and i don't think the the first episode with conan really did a good job of of showing that either no they just kind of like push in the water yeah you're just just kind of in you're going what Mm -hmm. the heck am i experiencing right now but once you figure it out it's actually pretty fun and it's really funny like will arnett is legit funny in that. great. Great jokes. They have the luxury of being able to write them ahead of time and then put these people under ridiculous circumstances. But I would highly recommend that one. That one's on Netflix if you want to check that out. Not underwater, though. That one is completely above water. Yes. A very traditional shoot in the sense that it's just people breathing air. It's all normal in that sense. A normal amount of it. The Deep House and Murderville. There's our suggestions this week. We'll see you next week. Week of America. Get more at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.